Welcome to New Chip Accelerate, the podcast for entrepreneurs by the New Chip Accelerator. From investing to building a company culture, this podcast strives to shine a light on the many unknowns that entrepreneurs face on a daily basis. Through talks with key personalities, Accelerate will teach you how to approach your investors, companies, customers, and roles with a fresh perspective. This episode features selected moments from a panel that was held at New Chip's online demo week of November 2020 called Building Startup Brands During a Pandemic. This panel, led by New Chip Accelerator Director Armando Vera Carvajal, featured two CEOs of New Chip companies. This panel features Andrew Zhao, the founder and CEO of Throwlights, and Swati Sharma, the co-founder and CEO of Sparkinity. Let's get right into it. Uh, today, I'm hosting a special panel discussion with two unique entrepreneurs from the Unitive Accelerator to talk about the importance of building a brand, as well as their journeys as entrepreneurs. Um, we all know that you know brands play a very big part in our lives. We, we subscribe to specific brands when we go shopping. We usually know what we want. And oftentimes, especially if the product's a commodity, right, we'll often pick something that has higher value to us from a symbolic level because of the brand. Uh, building brands is very, very important, especially in today's super competitive or hyper competitive market ecosystem across industries and across verticals. You need a good brand to stand out against the competitors and you need a good brand, a compelling one to, to really tell a powerful narrative that resonates with that audience, with that user, that customer that you want to bring on. Uh, that's why, without further ado, it's my pleasure to welcome you to this talk, uh, the importance of building brands, especially during a pandemic. Uh, I'd love to introduce our two guests. Uh, first joining us is Swati Sharma. She's the co-founder and the CEO of Sparkinity, uh, an online platform that helps retailers find their best sellers by taking the guesswork out of buying new products for their stores. Um, I'm also pleased to introduce Andrew Zhao. Uh, founder and CEO of Throwlights, uh, which is revolutionizing the art of light shows. Um, Swati, Andrew, thank you so much for joining us today. It's a pleasure to have you here. Um, to kick off this, this talk, I'd love it if you could give you know, a very quick overview of the businesses that you're building, you know, what they do at a functional level. That way we can set the groundwork for, for the topic on building brands. Swati, let's go with you first. Great. Thanks, Armando. Um, it's great to be here um, with all of you. So I'm just going to tell you a little bit more about Sparkinity. Um, what Sparkinity is doing is it's basically bringing a personalized merchandise buyer to retailers. So for independent retailers who want to increase their revenues and win against big retail giants like Amazon or Walmart, Sparkinity offers that a B2B marketplace that delivers a personalized AI buyer to swiftly discover exciting original merchandise that fits well with their customers, tastes along with the backing of guarantees, financial terms and discounts to buy with confidence. So it's the only platform that offers a personalized solution that is retailer specific. Thank you for that. And you're based out of the UK, correct? Yes. Yes, excellent. It's so good to have you here. Um, across different geographies. Andrew, tell us a little bit more about Throwlights. Yeah, definitely. Um, so I guess it's kind of starts with a personal story. Um, I've been an entrepreneur uh, ever since I was 12 years old when my mom first introduced me to Robert Kiyosaki. Um, I may have actually taken the rebellious forge your own path aspect of entrepreneurship 
too literally as I got into a lot of trouble and never really pursued a formal education. Um, but uh, when I was 18 years old, I discovered uh, LED light shows. Uh, it's a, a brand new emerging art that came from underground raves and uh, electronic music festivals. And when I first saw that, it immediately became an obsession for me, um, it, not only as an art form that I passionately adopted, but also as, as a business that I foresaw becoming a global empire someday uh, and, you know, changing the world. And so that really lit a spark in me to, uh, you know, became very serious about self-education. And um, in, uh, I founded Thrillites in 2016. And in September of 2019, uh, I, I left my job to do it full time. And today, uh, you know, Thrillites exists not just to provide products to the light show industry, um, but really looking at it five to 10 years down the road uh, as a global art form and a competitive sport. And we exist to be the holistic leaders of light shows. Uh, so, you know, the one that, that really bring it into the limelight. And so for us, that means, you know, taking an approach where we build the best products, but we also create the most viral content. Uh, we host the most, the hottest events, uh, as well as, uh, you know, owning the platform, you know, uh, the web resources where everyone goes to learn about light shows, to get news, watch content, uh, et cetera. And uh, Thrillites is going great. Today, I lead a team of eight people, amazing people just like myself, passionate light show artists uh, with a true drive to see this industry succeed. Um, and uh, yeah, we're, we're doing really great right now, um, but I'm excited to share more about Thrillites with you. Thank you for having me on this panel. Yeah, absolutely. And, and it's great to get a little bit more of that context, sort of that journey where, you know, that passion to, to become an entrepreneur and taking those big steps to, to do so. Um, thank you both for sharing that, that quick info. Um, so really to, to kick off the, the main discussion, I would love it for you to share some insight into, you know, your, your story as an entrepreneur and the brand that you are building specifically Sparkinity Rolites. Um, it is often said that you are the brand, right? You, the founders, especially at the earliest stages of your startup. So what is the inspiration behind the brand that you are building and why specifically are you building this brand? Swati, let's go with you first. Sure. So the, my journey that led to Sparkinity started about 10 years ago uh, with my expertise in, in design-led retail and e-commerce. Uh, I was a founding member of a retail division of a huge global architectural brand called Zaha Hadid. And was part of a core team that drove its growth of this small little retail division to a huge multi-million pound revenue generating brand of its own, uh, which was we had collaborations with the likes of Swarovski, Bulgari, Lacoste, Harrods. And it was, it was a huge learning experience. But also during this period, uh, there was something I was involved in, which was a rescue of a smaller independent retailer who would happen to be a friend of my boss. And literally that process was to save that company from the brink of closing down by delivering the right products to them that fit well with their customers. And that was sort of the catalyst for me, wherein I realized there was something missing here, which sowed the, the seeds for basically Sparkinity. 
Um, it was through my experience in retail that I could see over the years that I'd spent in the industry that there was one clear pattern that was constantly emerging, which was retailers who are, you know, who have a good understanding of the, which are the best products for their customers and have the ability to quickly find them and the resources to buy them or make them or get them into their stores are the ones with a major advantage. Um, and they spend, which you see the large, big retailers are spending a lot of resources and money to get some degree of success. But the independent retailers have had no support for anyone. They've they've had they've been left to their own devices, which has led to majority of them just focusing on surviving rather than thriving. And what I saw, the insight that I had is that over the last couple of years, especially the last three or four years, two big changes have occurred, which which is one is the accelerated shift of of the consumers from mass market or from big brand offering of the large retailers due to growing demand for products that they can identify with at an individual level. And two, the growth of independent retail, uh, which which has been driven by three key factors, mainly again, curation, community and convening. And the pandemic, I mean, although it's such a, it's quite, a terrible thing for us for it perhaps for it to happen to, to everybody. But it what it has highlighted is the fourth factor is the convenience, which has led to further acceleration of growth for these little retailers. So all of this has opened up a huge opportunity for these independents. And they're ideally now positioned for the new personalized era of retail. And with the right support, we see them becoming pretty formidable. And that kind of was the main driver that fueled our passion, even as a team, to create Sparkinity and to tilt that playing field in favor of the independent entrepreneurs as opposed to just the large retail giants. That's, I mean, that's incredibly impressive. And I think the, the perspective and the context that you bring to this brand that you're building is so important. And I think unique to what you're building for, for this specific market. And I mean, just hearing the, the brands that you, you know, that you mentioned initially, just you're, you're onto something really big with this. What were so, sort of some of the um, biggest trepidations that you had when you were taking on the challenge of becoming an entrepreneur? What was that biggest, I guess, fear that you had when you said, I'm going to be an entrepreneur. I'm going to launch this company and build a brand. Sure. I think, the, the funny thing is, even when I joined the, one of the best architectural firms in the world and I did all the sorts of thing I was doing, at the back of my head, it was always, I'm just going to do something of my own. I'm just going to be that person who is going to, who's going to do something different uh, and who's going to make a difference because the person I worked for had the same values. And, and I kind of, that's the part of the reason I joined her. So even though I know it's kind of a scary part, but it never crossed my mind that failure was just never an option. I just knew that this is the part that's going to go. It's just got to be that right idea. It was always, I was always looking for those gaps. I was always looking for those places where I could see, and there were so many of them. I, you know, you could just see so many, so many problems that needed fixing, but I wanted one that obviously I was passionate about, the one that I had expertise in and the one that lended um very well to my my personality or to what I wanted to do. And it just so happened that, you know, in this process, I happened to discover this and it was quite exciting to sort of see that there could be something a very, which could be very different 
that the experience of you know bringing amazing products to people's lives can be simplified or actually accessible to the everyday person rather than just to people who can afford to spend a lot of money. That makes perfect sense. Um, Andrew, tell us a little bit about you know your journey as well. You know, Swati has an incredible story, and, and so do you. So, you know, what was that inspiration behind Throw Lights? You mentioned 2016, you know, we're almost at 2021. So what is that brand and what's the inspiration to turning this into something transformational globally? Yeah, really started when I first saw my first light. Um, and I had never really seen anything like that before. I was just uh, immediately like captivated by the lights. And uh, since then, it's just been this idea in my head that really wouldn't go away. You know, it's like a, a thorn that's stuck to your, you know, to your clothes or something. And, you know, basically what people do is they, they go to uh, rent and, uh, uh, you know, to electronic music festivals or, you know, they, they go to meetups and, and they, they perform these shows for people and they can become very technical, very intricate. Um, you know, there's, there's lots of many moves that can be done. And so for me, you know, I've kind of over the last 10 years watched art form grow And I, I call it, you know, three uh, key areas. There's the technological development, which is where lights themselves have been, uh, you know, becoming more and more uh, uh, advanced. You know, at first they were just basically keychain lights that people stuck in gloves. And now they have accelerometers, they have Bluetooth, you know, they're mobile apps. Um, so there's technological, there's also commercial. Uh, where at the beginning it was very small. There was, um, you know, uh, only, only a few very small companies providing product. Today it's it's at least a $100 million industry. Um, there is uh, also the artistic development. So, uh, you know, we have seen just the, the moves themselves go from very basic, you know, liquid and, you know, uh, some finger rolls to today we're doing advanced clusters, uh, you know, um, there, uh, the, the moves themselves have become so much more advanced. Um, I've continued to see it grow over the last 10 years and it's just really been a very addicting thing. Uh, and I have always had the future in mind. I, I'm absolutely certain this art form will be a global, um, a global phenomenon someday. Yeah, no, and that's incredible. And I've I've followed your journey for for quite a while here at Newchip, and I've seen the evolution of the brand you're building as well. And and it's interesting, you know, that we have you here trying to build this, not build, but really just drive and grow this art form that is very unique and that has this very human aspect to it. And then Swati, you know, has this experience in context with one of the most artistic architectural firms in the world, right? For Zaha Hadid, like very, very, very prestigious and beautiful works of art. Um, and I think that in and of itself lends to ultimately creating something that has that intrinsic brand value, which takes me to the, to the next thought that I want to run by both of you. You know, Why must entrepreneurs build a brand and not just a product? Let's go with you, Swati. Um, I think, um, well, a brand is important because I think it's all about 
uh, people, you're, you're talking to human beings at the end of the day. And if you keep telling them what you want to do, or what you want to build as a product, uh, which is very technical, it doesn't resonate with them. What people relate to is emotions and to um, a belief, if I may say so. So there's always this thing wherein you've got to kind of find that, that point or that um, belief in them that they believe in and they sort of mirror that. So that's kind of your target clients or their audience or whoever it is that you're building this particular product for. I think it's got to be about the why. It can't be about the what, because unless they understand what the benefits are and why they, they should be with you and what you actually stand for, um, they can't really buy into your into what you're selling to them. So it's sort of having that emotional connection with them, I, I would say. Somehow you've got to invoke that feeling. Emotion. Yeah, I, I think that's super important. And I think some of the most powerful and compelling brands, and this is all encompassing, you know, I'm talking about Oreos, cookies and McDonald's, right? These are iconic brands that they may sell something that is relatively cheap, but the value of those brands is tremendous, right? They're, they're very, very valuable because of the emotion that the, they've built, right? You see the, the golden arches and you start to smell the fries in your head, right? You see like Harrods and you start to think of like a nice chili evening in London, right? Shopping. It's, it's that value that the brand creates. And I think just as you said, you have to go a little bit beyond just the product. That emotion is what brings out that ultimate intent in the customer. Andrew, what about you? Yeah, definitely. Um, I think Swati brought up some great points and I actually uh, was going to mention, and we've all, uh, probably a lot of us have heard the Simon Sinek, um, uh, talk where he says, start with why, right? Um, you know, people buy what why you do, uh, what you do more than they buy how you do it or what you do. Um, and so I think that, um, you know, people get really engaged with, with stories. So I think a brand tells a, a story um, and the story that you're telling your customer is, you know, here's, here's why, you know, you, you should be part of what we're doing, you know, and for uh, each brand that could be something that's unique. Um, for us personally at Thrillites, um, we've always really built our business on passion. So, you know, one of our tenets is that uh, we're a company built by artists for artists. Um, so all of our team, we're all passionate lifestyle artists. And, um, you know, uh, another part of our brand is that it's all about, it's all about the art. Um, so for us, you know, on a very grassroots level, um, it's always about driving this art form forward. It's always about, you know, how can we achieve this vision of making this art, uh, something global, uh, something that gives back to the artists provides for artists in a way that like, you know, basketball has, for example, uh, made the world so much better of a place because it's provided with so many uh, players with with opportunities. Um, you know, think about extremely successful people like uh, the late Kobe Bryant. Um, you know, um, uh, all, all the big basketball players out there that have made a name for themselves and become successful. And we see light shows being able to do the same thing for artists as well. So it's like people uh, see that vision, that story, and they want to get behind it. 
at the same time, we've also noticed uh, this is getting more like analytical, but we've noticed that like certain products that we put out, if we put out a glove set and there's like a great light show for it, people will see that and they'll say, oh, I want to buy that glove set. Whereas we could put out a glove set with no show and they're, they're the same. They're the same quality. Um, you know, one is just as good as the other, but we'll get tons of orders for the, the, the product that has a light show than the product that doesn't have it. And it's just because of like the perceived value. And so I think that's what a brand gives your product, uh, you know, perceived value, even though it might be the same exact quality as another product. Um, I think, consumers will gravitate towards the the one that has the story that they, that they believe in. Yeah, no, 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 I I absolutely agree. And I think storytelling is a huge component of it, of telling your why. Um, I think sometimes some entrepreneurs think that when we tell them like, you need to have a story, it, it just, it's very sort of contrived, like in 1975, somebody built this and now there's a brand end of story, right? Buy our product. I think there has to be a very certain level of uh, genuine value to the story that you're telling. And I think oftentimes the best way to bring that out is through the entrepreneur, right? Herself, right? Who, who is building that brand at the earliest stages? You know, what is that? Um, tell us a little bit more about, and we'll go with you first, Swati, like, what is the brand? that you are building, what does it stand for? Like, what, what do you, what is your expectation and hope of your customers and end users when they think Spark Entity? So that was kind of like, uh, goes back to the name. That's why we came up with Spark Entity. I think the, the, the whole point was that we wanted to, it, 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 it went back to igniting. So you had all these little independents who are just about holding on for life and surviving. And there, you know, we wanted to go in there and just power them. And there's the spark that just ignites your stores and it's infinite. So it never ends. And that kind of was the idea that you have spark and infinity and that comes together and that becomes sparkinity. Um, and Evie, we even kind of got a bit of a tagline now where we want to say to our customers, you're sort of bold alone because what, what they do is very bold. They're entrepreneurs who are going out into the, one of the toughest environments of business, which is retail, because they have this vision that they, you know, of an idea of what they 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 think their stores should be and they have no support to do that it's not like they they leave their jobs they they save up and then they start these stores or these other retail outlets because they really believe in it and that was kind of the thing as we want to say you know you're bold alone but you're better together it's when you're combined that you're really powerful it's when you're together you're really united and yes you can take on amazon it's not like the end of the world it's not like you will you know you have to all your customers are just going to go there they won't you know that there's a whole uh, connection that you know these these local entrepreneurs share with their community so they have a lot of support and that was kind of what we wanted to stand for you know that that massive injunction of energy or power into all these little guys and suddenly overnight they're like superheroes um because they're using spark kennedy that's incredible and i love the the connection to the name that's where you know you're you're putting a lot of thought into building the brand identity from the most fundamental components the name it's not just you know 
Spark Software Solutions Incorporated. It's like it has something to it, and it fundamentally like builds on what you're doing to address the issues that you're solving in your industry. Um, Andrew, what about you? Um, yeah. So why did we come up with the name Thrillites? Um, that's actually sort of a long story that goes into the history of Thrillites. Um, so Thrillites is actually a verb. Um, it actually exists. So uh, you know, someone. So if I was saying like, hey. Armando, let's, let's go give some light shows. That sounds a bit like, you know, you wouldn't say all that people, what they say, let's go to this meetup and throw some lights. So it actually is a verb that's already used. Um, so I, I actually started the, um, I first started throw lights back in 2010, actually. Uh, it was an internet forum and, um, I was 18 years old. And we had tons of, it was actually super successful. We had thousands of users sign up and uh, it was, it had a super active buzzing forum. It was the first like online place for light show artists to go. Um, but, you know, as I mentioned, I was 18 years old and I wanted to really gain some more business experience, uh, more I needed to gain some more business experience. So I actually ended up shuttering that website. Um, I did receive um, a couple of acquisition offers, uh, but I, I but I said no. I want to hold on to this name because I feel like I'm going to do something with this someday. Um, and so, like I said, it's been stuck in my mind like a burr this entire time. And in 2016, I was uh, you know I still had that name, I still had the domain, uh, and I was able to revive it. And, uh, you know, here we are today, the Thrillites is a team of eight, you know, we, we all live and work out of our HQ in San Diego. Um, it's really great. And I think it is, a, I think it is a great name. It's a name that kind of just sticks in the mind and, you know, it just refers to what we do really well. So that's, that's, that's kind of the story. No, no, that's incredible. I love it. And I love how much context goes into it. And it's all the more better with the artistic elements that, that you yourself really embody, if I may say. Um, what are some of the challenges that you have faced in building your brand? And I imagine there are many in different shapes, ways, and forms. Swati, what are some of the challenges that you've seen with Spark Kennedy? Um, so I think because B2B commerce is something new. So the thing about our industry is it's sort of very old fashioned still. And it's kind of funny that you see obviously the front side of the B2C of retail is all about, you know, convenience and connections and all this stuff. And everyone just thinks these, these products just magically appear. They don't. I mean, these people spend a lot of time doing that, but the problem is that all the processes are just legacy based. And so you've got a very fragmented industry. The other problem I think is every, everyone left these smaller SMEs because there's, they're hard to get to, they're slower to adapt. Um, you know, you don't know where they are. You, you know, they're all spread across, especially the makers uh, of, of the smaller products. They're in markets, affairs. And, you know, it was very, very hard pre-Instagram, I would say, uh, pre-social media to even think, how are you even going to find them, let alone aggregate them? So the good thing is now, obviously, with 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 Instagram and other tools, you have something very, uh, you have a platform or a, a mechanism to reach out to them. So that, that, that I would say is, you know, B2B is still initially was a very dry thing and, you know, no one knew how to get to them. And that was kind of initially when we started thinking about how best to get to our clients, how do we talk to them? How do you reach out to them? Where the hell are these little retailers? 
um, um, so that was a little bit of a challenge to understand, you know, what would be the best way to find them? You know, where do we target them? Where do we get these lists? And it was all a very interesting experience. Uh, but luckily, as I said, is over the last couple of years, you know, that there's a huge community of, of these people everywhere. And also, uh, you know, because they're businesses, they're all registered somewhere. So it becomes a little bit easier to reach out to them. But yes, the challenge is always going to be it's a fragmented industry. So you'll it's not very easy as compared to B2C markets, um, which are a lot more used to uh, the kind of targeting or messaging you know, that they receive. I think the B2B sector is still stuck in a very different timeline. So we're trying to, uh, but they're moving ahead, obviously. And I think that's what the pandemic has done. It's been, it's fast forwarded something which would have taken another three or four years to happen to literally now. Yeah, no, I mean, and that's that's pretty fascinating to hear, especially, I want to go back in a bit to talk about sort of the impact of the pandemic. Uh, but I do think, as you were explaining it, it sounds like it's the B2B market extremely fragmented, not just, you know, in the UK, but worldwide. I mean, look at the American SME, like retail online markets, extremely fragmented, so many solutions, but, you know, not all of them are very effective. It's a, it's a tough nut to crack, but I think the rewards of doing it effectively and elegantly will be pretty great, right? If you're able to do it in a fantastic exactly. way with a brand that is something a little bit more meaningful than just any other tool out there. Rather than being, yes, a technical solution of, oh, this just put things on a spreadsheet or do this like uh, as an inventory. As I said, it's sort of almost imagining B2B as B2C like swap, swapping them and making them human beings rather than thinking of them as business owners. And, you know, no, they're still human beings. They're not different from a B2C customer. They still make their decisions in a certain way. They still need the same sort of tools uh, that you would use such beautiful tools that the, the, the B2C has. That's, and I mean, that, that's so beautifully said because I think that taps into the brand you're building, right? Thinking yes. of B2B as B2C uh, you know, it, it, I don't know why, but it just made me think of, you know, people who are working out in the construction world with a big machinery, right? Why can't the machinery be pretty and elegant, right? It's like, we think of sort of like the, the person who's using those machines. It's just like, they don't matter. They just need the tools, right? The solutions to do what they do. But as you said, they're humans too, right? They, this is their life. This is what they do. Make them make their, their life easier and more effective and efficient, but also adding that extra flavor and emotion to what you're doing. And I think when, when I hear an entrepreneur say their story and their mission, the way that you do it, it really excites me because I know that they're tapping into something that's more fundamental than just another product or solution. So I loved hearing that. Um, Andrew, what are some of the challenges that you know, you've faced in building throw lights? So I think, you know, one of the cha uh, main challenges is that, you know, we, we really are in uncharted territory. So it's, it can be hard to explain to people uh, what we do. <laughs> so, you know, when we're going out there and, you know, we're, we're looking to fundraise, um, you know, and we're trying to tell people, here's what we do, here's what we do. You know, we've recently kind of made the shift over to like a lot more like media, um, like ex explanations, like using videos and stuff like that. But uh, that was one of the challenges that we had to overcome um, uh, starting, you know, starting our journey as a business. Um, now I would say like definitely on the, um, on the topic of like 
uh, of building our brand in today's world. Um, I think that, you know, one of the things that is nice about the world today is that uh, there's all this instant communication, right? And so I feel like it's made the world um, easier for entrepreneurs to start up, which is a great thing. It's, it definitely is a great thing, but it's also made it like, uh, it's, it's more of a, there's more competition now also. So um, I think, you know, uh, even in light shows, it's a hotly contested market. There's a lot of little people popping up all the time with a new product, um, which is, you know, great to see. It's definitely driving innovation forward. And, um, you know, I, uh, I love to see that. Um, but, you know, the instant communication has also made it, you know, from a whole, from the branding perspective, um, it's made it really easy. We all know that people on the internet are like, can be very rude, um, you know, a lot of trolls, right? People who who will post a negative opinion really quick about something without even reaching out to to try to get it resolved or or whatever. And so anyone can go on at any time about the business and say something negative about either the company or uh, you know about the people building it. And so I think that in today's world, you know, part of building a brand has become that PR thing, which is. It's just a really delicate balancing act. So I think that definitely is a challenge that exists in today's world that is like unique to our times. Um, but yeah, it's one that Throwlights is definitely eager uh, to 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 tackle and incorporate into our culture as something that you know we we embrace and and overcome. Yeah, no, no, I think you you touched on some very good points and. Um, Similar to what Swati was saying, you know, there there are some of the smaller guys, some of the other competitors in the industry who could do sort of what you're doing, but albeit not as good as you are, right? Not with a very powerful brand um, and the advent of a lot of technology and like information systems has made it very challenging to keep up the brand because it's one thing to build a brand, put in a lot of time, money, effort, resources into like creating this picture, but then you have to maintain it, right? There is such a thing as brand misalignment, right? Where you have something that you're telling the world, but all of a sudden the actual experience or reality is totally different. Um, and when you're dealing in your case, Andrew, specifically with B2C and users, that's challenging, right? You're dealing with a lot of different people, a lot of different expectations as to what they want and what they hope to get out of throw lights. Um, and adapting to those challenges, especially with, with other like competitors is necessary to, to grow that brand in a way that's cogent, but also sustainable for the long term. Um, Swati, going back to what you were saying about COVID-19, obviously, I can't believe, first of all, that 2020 is almost done. <laughs> it feels like it's been, it's it been just feels like, unreal because we can't. Yeah, it just feels gone by so, so fast. So fast, so fast, but yet so slow in many ways. Uh, yes. What What is, you know, like, tell us about the reality of building a brand, right? One that has the aspiration to be world-class during a time of crisis, uh, especially during COVID-19. Sure. I mean, I think for, as I said, for our industry, we were kind of stuck in a time warp where one part of it was all about being online, shopping online, but the other part of it was all manual. So in a weird way, although it's a as I said, it's a terrible um, disease to have hit, 
the, the, the planet, but it, it has literally hit a fast forward button for our industry, wherein all these retailers now, which were depending on trade shows or, you know, what their normal routine, which has been for years and years and years, has been traveling, you know, to different markets or traveling all over the continents to just find their products can't do that anymore. That means these businesses are on the brink of pretty much going out because their whole value proposition was about bringing that, as I said, you know, they're so emotionally invested in their products and their, in their own little brands, because they are little mini brands onto themselves and they provide a certain service to their customers. And now they don't have that channel. They don't have that. That's gone overnight. So now they're all, they need online presence. They need something to help them. So obviously this happened very quickly and, and, you know, I think it has probably affected a lot of retailers who will suffer um, just because they have to shift uh, what they're selling. They have to adapt very quickly. And I think this is like that sort of shock that they sort of needed to understand that they needed to come into the in the world of technology. Because today, whoever is enabled with the ability to quickly shift their offering, align it to the new world you know, of, of COVID, is much is is in a much better position compared to the ones who are not. So so in a way we can see the suffering of some of these retailers. And for us it's frustrating because we're a very small company at the moment. We're just trying to we're just trying to raise our pre-seed. So we if we actually had the resources, there was a lot of stuff we could have done and grown very, very quickly in a time where there was so much need for a product like ours. So that's kind of one of the frustrations wherein, you know, we can't really do much because we just don't have the resources or the infrastructure to support these brands or to support these retailers and prevent some of them from pretty much even going, you know, closing down, which is going to be sad. But that is what it is. So, yeah, it's sort of one of those unfortunate situations of the pandemic. But yeah, and to your point, it's one of those situations that can definitely work in your favor, right? Were you there's this sort of like structural forced change and new dynamic on everybody, the new normal, right? But that ended up like demonstrating that maybe you didn't have to do it the way that everybody had been doing it for a long time. And the way that we're doing it is so optimized and so much better and it works, if not better, right? Exactly. I think in your case specifically, COVID-19 was definitely one of those blessing disguises and you know, and especially as, as we kind of talked, you mentioned this a little bit earlier, the emotional part, I think, um, retailers and brands in general have been, they've been facing a very hard time this year, right? Many of them, some of them have gone out of business, right? They just have ceased to exist because that's what happens sometimes when big crises hit. Um, but I think brands that are able to really appeal to the emotion of their customers through the hard times have a very big advantage because they can then win their trust in ways that you normally wouldn't otherwise, right? You're going through that hard time together. And if you as a brand can serve that value, you're like their brother or sister, right? Through that hardship, especially if you're helping that that company or that retailer to survive and to grow and thrive. And and that's exactly what I'm saying is if we had the resources as opposed to helping four, we would have loved to help thousands because that would, you know, ideally be where we want to be. Yeah. And you still can. I, th- I think there's going to be so much room for growth for Spark Kennedy over the next uh, few years. And I'm excited to see that personally. Um, Andrew, in your case, you know, like a little bit more on the entertainment side, a little bit more on the discretionary spend side. Um, 
what have been some of the challenges that you've faced this year, especially with COVID-19? Yeah, definitely. So um, obviously, you know, with our brand, you know, it's, it's, it has been particularly hard um, on the sales side of things. You know, most of our products are used at a live events. Uh, you know, people definitely are doing live shows at home on cameras and stuff. But, um, you know, the real meat and bones uh, of it is it's done at um, uh, it's done at festivals. You know, it's done in person at meetups, uh, at parties. Uh, those don't exist anymore. <laughs> so, um, you know, it, it's been rough on, on the sales side. Um, it, it's also been rough on the uh, brand building side. You know, we haven't been out there at events, giving light shows, you know, putting ourselves out um, and so, uh, but, you know, I, I think, you know, I see these challenges like the, the, as a test of the organization, right. Same way it is like the, uh, the test of, of an organism, uh, how adaptable can you be, uh, and can you survive through these unforeseen changes? And, um, you know, for us, you know, it's really been like figuring out ways to uh, overcome those challenges. So even with our sales, like in October, we had a record month uh, where we did uh, $15,000 in sales. Uh, and, you know, even through the pandemic, we're growing um, 20% month over month. And it's just by being scrappy and figuring out ways of ways of, of getting it done, making it happen, doing what it takes, um, you know, with brand building as well. It's like, we can't be out there giving light shows, but we're still making content. We're still creating videos on social media, um, engaging with the online community, uh, you know, doing giveaways and, and contests and things like that. So, um, yeah, just, just like, yeah, it's definitely been tough, but, uh, but we're, we're figuring out ways to, 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 to survive and, and thrive through it. Thank you for listening to this episode of New Chip Accelerate. If you'd like to hear more of this panel or see some throw lights in action, you can find the video recording of this panel on the New Chip YouTube channel. If you are interested in learning more about how New Chip enables startup founders to build their business, meet other CEOs, and raise their rounds, all while retaining 100% ownership of their companies, check us out at newchip.com. We will see you soon with the next episode of New Chip Accelerate.